Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Today, a subject that is near and dear to your heart, and uh, I have personal experience being your friend, what friendship means to you, Larry. And you've amassed some amazing friends in your illustrious career, my friend. Well, I have, and you're one of them, Jordan. And uh, I was going to put you down on this list, but I said uh, he'll be uh, Jordan as a relatively modest uh, guy. I'm already here. <laughs> so I'm listening in. I'm eavesdropping. Uh, we- and I just figured that you'd you wouldn't uh, you'd feel uncomfortable with that. But you are a great friend, uh, Jordan. There's no question about that. And we have become great friends, and I think it's wonderful. Dare I say, before we talk about some of the people, and there are some terrific examples of sparkling personalities who become friends, lifelong friends, that because of your estimable age, you've been around the block a few times, you have learned what true friendship in your definition means, and how do you define true friendship? Well, you know, I I wrote something in my memoir about a good friend uh, that appears on uh, a list that I've given you, but maybe we won't talk about him today. Uh, but that uh, he used to live next to me before he, uh, his uh, there was a divorce between him and his first wife. But the, between them, they had uh, three children, and his son still lives there. And that is uh, 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 John Caulfield, Doctor John Caulfield. And uh, I once uh, he moved out of Boston in the early '90s, and he's been living in California. He got me to come out there to be the best man at the wedding to his uh, second wife. And uh, he and I were great friends, even though I was at that time practicing law and dressing every day, uh, hmm. weekdays. And he went around like a guy does who's a scientist and a doctor and was working in his own lab at the Harvard Medical School. But after he left Boston, we remained friendly and uh, we would talk, uh, you know, every couple of weeks or sometimes every month. And um, so I, I said, I commented in some place that, a f- true friend is somebody that uh, you might not speak to very often, but when you do, you pick up in the middle of the conversation and you take it to its end an hour later and you still haven't finished. <laughs> and uh, that's a true friend because yeah. uh, there was uh, – and, you know, th- th- that plays into a, another correlative, if that's the right word, definition. And that is uh, you never run out of things to say. There's never any silences. I love it. I love Well, particularly with Larry Rutman, uh, there's always something to be said and to hear. But I think you're absolutely right. I think you can see somebody. I, I have a friend in Los Angeles, a high school friend, and we don't see each other for years on end. And we get together and it's like we never left. So that's a beautiful definition. So uh, in, on the list of, of notes here, I've got lots of doctors, either PhDs, researchers, or MDs. You, you surround yourself with bright people. So can we start at the top of my list and talk about some of these folks? Um, yeah, well, I, you know, as a matter of fact, it's worked out very well because I've taken trips with some of these doctors. <laughs> and, you know, I'm certainly not in the category of a VIP or a rich person who carries his own doctor around. And from what I've read in about people, uh, famous people dying, I don't think I want to have a doctor to travel around with me. These are practicing doctors, but they invited me to go with them to faraway places. And uh, that was fantastic. And a couple of the stories I tell are about uh, 
uh, things that happened to me on the trip where they were there to say, uh, I, to answer the question, am I going to die? Do I have to go to the doctor? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it's convenient. <laughs> Let's start with the first name I have, Dr. Guifu Wu. I hope I said that correctly. Yeah, Guifu Wu is a terrific guy, and he's one of the top, uh, what do they call the guys that uh, handle the heart? Uh, Cardiologists. Uh, he's one of the top cardiologists in China. Anyway, he came over here um, maybe 10 years ago uh, to uh, study some stuff at the Beth Israel Hospital uh, to take back to China. And he was here for about a year or two uh, with his wife and uh, his, uh, two, his two children at that time were born in the United States and became and so automatically became American citizens. Aguifu Wu uh, is a brilliant doctor, and uh, he spoke English quite well, but so fast that nobody could understand him. He wrote medical articles in English, uh, so he was a brilliant fellow. And, uh, and I had signed up to, uh, to teach uh, English as a second language to people, and that's how Guifu went and I met. We hit it off right away. Was he living in Brookline at the yeah. time? Yeah. Okay, as many do. Yeah, in, right. In yeah, he lived in Brookline, and uh, he um, he was going. He was at the Beth Israel, and uh, what he did was uh, uh, we got to be so friendly that uh, he invited Lois and me to go to China mm. and be his guest. So Lois didn't want to go. She's not a she. We traveled a lot earlier in our marriage, but she she likes to stay around home. And I've reached the point in life where I do, too. I don't know that I'd get on a plane and fly any place. When, when was the China trip, roughly? Do you know when? When of the what? When was the trip to China and what? Yeah, day? the trip to China, well, well, it's a little further than 10 years now. The trip to China was in 2007. Okay, so about 15 years ago almost. Yeah, almost 15. I mean, time goes so fast. They say time passes faster, uh, faster when you're uh, older. And I think so because because of the COVID thing, every day is like any other day. So you can't. Well, China's a, a fascinating place and a controversial place now. But what were your impressions of of it back then? Do you recall? Well, yeah. Um, you know, this was just before I had the operation uh, that I had to have because of my mitral valve uh, prolapse, uh, which caused a backward flow of blood and ultimately resulted in a serious operation that turned out, you know, perfectly well. I haven't been bothered. Since that time it was about a six months before that, mm-hmm. and um, my impressions of China, were, I didn't, but but I was fine to travel, mm-hmm. um, and we went to all sorts of places. Guifu was well connected, of course. He knew doctors in every city, whether it was Shanghai, Guilin, uh, you know, all of in the far west, uh, in Chengdu, and uh, here, there, and every place. Um, so that uh, my impressions, of course, of China were at the time, even then, highly industrialized much more sophisticated than you might have thought because every hotel we went into, we went into hotels that were, you know, like modern, terrific hotels in the West. And uh, in the morning they had umpteen breakfast there. One was a British breakfast, one was an American breakfast, one was a Chinese breakfast. And if you like food and you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, when we checked in, Three beautiful young Chinese women would check us in. So it was delightful. Nothing wrong with that. But on the last uh, place we stayed, we stayed in a hun- several hundred-year-old uh, hotel for 25 bucks a night. And that was interesting, too, um, because it was old style. I, I thought uh, there was a lot of industry, and it was very interesting. Um, I would say that... Um, 
I don't, you know, I, I think my impression, well, I had a lot of, I had adventures in China for sure that I can talk about, and I will, uh, under later uh, yeah. headings of stuff that I've wanted to tell about. But I guess I, I enjoyed the trip. It was about a three-week trip. There's a lot to say about it. When I got off the plane, I was dog-tired from the trip, which is, covers 10 or 12,000, 10,000 miles. But and the first thing they did was take me to a party that was going on. And uh, they want to, and there were a lot of people there, young people, in a nightclub, and it was a birthday party, and they wanted me to get up on the stage and sing Elvis's uh, song, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I know about Elvis and I knew some of his songs. Uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think of which one it was, but anyway. I got up there and I did my best, and they thought it was great. And I again, see you as a hound dog guy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. hound dog, yeah, as whatever. And um, so they, um, then they took me to the hotel after I did my performance, and uh, I was so tired. One one thing I just want to mention: I have a friend who's a professor here in the states, and there is a closer relationship between the academics on each side than there might be even between uh, attachés and governments and so forth. We, we're obviously in a different time than even 2007, but there is a lot of that linkage between the academics from yeah, West Yeah, well, one East. of my very good friends said, what, you're going to China? That's a communist country. I said, well, I'm, I'm going with a Chinese guy that I like very much. He's you're not sort of, joining the Communist Party anytime soon. No, I, but there, <laughs> were, there were things over there that were stuff you wouldn't find in a democracy, so sure. to speak. Sure. Uh, but still, uh, I would say that. Um, so, so he. You know, spoke- this plays into something, Jordan. That yeah. is that um, I think people, not uh, if it's not government relations and it's person to person, people get along fine. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up about Dr. Uh, Guifu Wu. I'm getting used to that name, and that is uh, a totally different culture, a totally different language. Although he spoke English, but. You cut through all that when you're looking at the person and who that person is and what he or she brings to the table, and you obviously have done that. Well, he's a terrific guy. He was very yeah. funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were dancing, you know, out in the far uh, west uh, of the country, out near Tibet and all that, in Chengdu. We ate, both of us ate boar meat. We have never had that. And we danced uh, with uh, young women in, I guess, Tibetan dress. And we, we, you know, we danced and we had a good time. We ate with young people sometimes uh, um, who we didn't know before the meeting. And, you know, I think we, Fu and I, were cut from the same cloth in that we both are, would talk to strangers. And that helped a lot. Well, you're challenging me with pronunciation, so I'm going to have you take the next one. The Dr. Marinos? Marinos Sharalambos. Marinos Sharalambos. Boy, we're, we're going international in our friendship parade. You, wanna, you know something, Jordan? Um, there were, th- we know of a lot of famous people. What I've discovered talking to people, famous people and otherwise, is that a lot of people, I've met a lot of people who do very important things in the world who are not household names and who are wonderful people and very helpful and make great friends. And they're not, by a long shot, they're not all from the United States. They're from all over the world. And, uh, you know, Guifu Wu is one example of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michaela Marinos uh, is another example of that. And so is the following name, Dr. Uh, Michaela uh, Schneiderbauer. Schneiderbauer. I, I was okay, so, you know, Marinos uh, is a Cypriot Greek. 
And you know, on Cyprus, which is a age-old island that has a unbelievable history, and was the scene, I guess, of uh, of uh, the story about Desdemona, Desdemona and uh, uh, the um, famous one by Shakespeare that was taken to become an opera by Joe Green. Yes, Giuseppe Verdi. Yeah, Giuseppe Verdi. Uh, that is an interesting island because it's now split between the Turkish side and the Greek side of the island, and uh, they don't like each other and their fences between them and so forth. But Renos lives out there, and he too invited Lois and me, but Lois didn't go, and I went. And Marinos was a wonderful host to begin with. Now, at the time, he was 29. Now he's 35. Um, I introduced him to Mike Dukakis because of the Greek relationship. Mm. He wanted to go to an American uh, hospital, a good one, uh, to do his residency. And they all said, oh, he's a terrific guy, but he went to this uh, medical school on Crete, which is one of the places we went. Uh, together when I went over to visit them on Cyprus. We also went to Greece. And um, they um, said that there's no chance. Well, Marinos is a very special guy. First of all, in his spare time, he didn't have much, but he did it anyway. He made a, medi- he made a medical dictionary, English to Greek and vice versa. I'll give you an idea of the kind of guy mm. he is. Now, I introduced him to Mike and I introduced him to some, to some American doctors but the ultimate was he went out on his own, got his own residency that everybody said was impossible at the big hospital uh, in New Jersey that um, – I'm trying to think of the name of the town, but it's uh, connected with uh, – uh, it, it's a very big hospital and it's connected with uh, Johnson Johnson Medical stuff and uh, mm. so – but anyway – not only did he become a resident at this uh, multi-bed hospital, but also he um, he ultimately became the head of all the residents at the hospital. They turned to him for leadership so that um, – but he's a great friend in the sense that and he and uh, Michaela Schneiderbauer both became sort of go-tos when I had a medical problem in the teens that had to do with uh, – with having an operation, um, and I've, I've only had a few operations in my life, but this one was uh, uh, called benign prostate hyperplasia, BPH as they call it. There's nothing benign about it when it stops you from peeing, and uh, that uh, caused me to have to have that operation. So, so Martinos, what was his medical? Uh, Marinos. Marinos, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he he was uh, another guy who was he's a, he's a non-invasive heart specialist. I see, okay. And not only did he lead all the uh, residents at that hospital, but then he went to New York to the big uh, big hospital there, and he's now, uh, it's, it's unclear whether he's going to practice medicine in the United States or back in Cyprus, but he's, uh, he's an amazing guy. And, uh, you know, at 29, he found his own way to his dream, which was to train in the United States. But besides that, he was a wonderful friend. When I went to Cyprus, he took me all around the island. His parents were wonderful to me. Uh, you know, I stayed with him at his home and uh, met his old family and friends in Cyprus. And then we went off to Greece and we uh, we visited, uh, 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 as I said, uh, Crete. And we also went to Athens and we saw we went to museums and this, that, in all of these places and traveled, hiked and uh, so forth and so on. And uh, on um, what's that famous island, the, the Greek island, where all the Roman, the lovers go? Uh, it was it was a 
crater of a volcano 2,000 years ago, uh, Santorini. Oh, So boy. we went to Santorini, and we had a terrific sort of apartment cut into the side of the oh, hill. Oh, my goodness. That's lovely. And he's, uh, you say, 35 years old. He's now about 35 years old. And when we stayed in Santorini, I, I looked at him one day, and I said, Marino's... I'm here with the wrong person. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you still got that fervent spirit of romance in your blood. And, you know, um, Marino's was, and we, we correspond to this day. That's great. And, uh, you know, and, and the next person on the list, uh, M- Michaela Schneiderbaugh, she grew up on a farm just outside of Munich, uh, with, and her family, uh, you know, had some problems during the war because they were much more liberal than the Nazis wanted them to be. Mm. But it was a farm family, and they weren't particularly sophisticated. And, uh, you know, um, Michaela's a striking woman of about six feet, and she was a great athlete, a great tennis player. And um, so the reason I met her was because uh, I was at an opera in Boston, a Handel opera, and when the intermission came, I looked around, and the tallest person in the room with the head sticking up above everybody else who was about, you know, eight steps from me and was on her, uh, her iPhone, and she was laughing, and she looked very charming. So I, and, uh, so I, I just said to her, must be, must be a, an amusing person on the other end of the line. So that started a conversation. Now, she's, she's got a doctor in front of her name as well. What is her? She's an oncologist, and she's a surgeon. Wow. And she was down in uh, Florida and, and uh, making, uh, you know, for a doctor, not a terrific amount of money. But they, then they offered her, when they saw how terrific a doctor she was, they offered her a big contract. But she, and she was also a little, uh, you know, she liked the United States, but that was during the early years of the Trump years. Mm-hmm. And she just wasn't sure what was going to happen here. And she was thinking that she might leave the United States. But ultimately, she didn't. And But she and her partner, another doctor, female doctor, they came up here. And uh, they practiced uh, They practiced out in Vermont in the, in the medical system that has to do with Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And she's very happy over there. I met her in Boston. Uh, I've met her in Boston a few times. Uh, she's uh, just a remarkable person. So on this BPH thing that I talked about, um, there was a famous doctor over at the Mass General from Iran, of all places, and an absolutely wonderful guy um, was the go-to for everybody for this particular operation. And it's a good thing I went to him because he did it in a way uh, that, uh, you know, I mean, to have that kind of trouble for the rest of your life would be a real downer. Mm. But he he fixed it so I was a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> so descriptive, just like a writer. But that's great. I, I was in contact with both of these folks, and they and they both said essentially the same thing. You got to do this, Larry. Yeah. I mean, you know. And well, it's nice to have that kind of coterie of friends who happen to have an expertise in medicine, so that you can you can get some second opinions, friendly second opinions. Right? Well, and, and when I say travel with a doctor. Gui Fu Wu. So one time we were in Guilin. Mm-hmm. Guilin is a city. That's the city. The river from Guilin is the one with all those cone-shaped mountains. As oh, you, yes. Yes. Seen that in and, pictures. And uh, at the other end of that uh, river, I got a wonderful vase, uh, which I still have at home. It was uh, done by uh, craftsmen over there. But anyway, uh, and crossing the street in Guilin, I mean— I, I, you know, uh, uh, Guifu would cross. I, I can't cross. 
too much traffic. Too many cars. Yeah. I mean, there was no. So that some guy said, "I'll help you over." <laughs> but what happened medically? Uh, well, we went out. We went out to dinner one night, and we had some sort of fish, and I don't know what the hell it was. But anyway, when we got back to the uh, to the hotel room, and he was doing his paperwork for the day, and I was doing my paperwork for the day, I broke out in scales. All of my body. Like, I looked like a fish. Like the fish you consumed. You look like the fish. Yeah. So I said, I said, uh, Weefu, what's this? And he took a look at it and he said, is your breathing affected? I said, no. Do you feel dizzy or anything? No. Um, do you have any symptoms other than what, you, what we see, which looks pretty bad? I said, no. He said, let's wait. So that uh, I, I said, well, I said to myself, he's a doctor, must know what he's talking about. Mm. I said, and I asked him, should we go to the hospital? So that um, he, uh, so finally, about three quarters of an hour later, it started to fade slowly, and it ultimately went away. But if I had been by myself, I would have been scared. I would have been so frightened. It was, you know. Do you happen to remember the name of the dish? Because uh, next time I go to China, I want to avoid <laughs> that, Larry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just it's kidding. called poisoned fish. Don't eat the fish. <laughs> well, we're going to stop here because those are three, actually three and a half, because you mentioned the doctor who did your, your uh, surgery who was very successful. We've got other friends to cover, but you certainly have covered the MD front quite well with these three. Outstanding. Marina's also took care of me. When I fell a couple of times over hidden wires in the dark, and I, yeah. these people were really, and I, I'm friendly with them still. Well, you're still here. That's good news. I mean, the fact that you bounce back from all of these uh, tra- travails is a good thing. We know you're still here, and we have a lot more to talk about, and a lot more to talk about when it comes to friendship, as we continue. Larry, as always, thank you, my friend. Well, thank you, my friend. This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRuttman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Ruttman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on a life lived backwards, one man's life.